Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Brought to you by Sherwick Media, your health and wellness content specialist. Health Connect South is to serve the health community as a sustainable platform for regional health collaborations. Through our collective work, we seek to broadly define and advance the Southeast role in the future of health. Serving as a gateway between health industry silos, we seek to provide unique and meaningful partnership opportunities in health. We are pleased to share this information and these experts with you as part of our mission. Want to be part of the discussion? Join in, tweet questions and comments at HealthCon Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's CW. Thanks for checking out this week's Health Connect South Radio show. On this episode, we focused on telehealth. We sat down with Adrian Davis, who's the CEO and founder of a company called My Ideal Doctor. And after spending numerous years in healthcare technology, in sales for devices and equipment in the medical space, Adrian and a number of his associates saw an opportunity to affect the way that healthcare is delivered using technology that is changing and advancing in both quality and pace of internet connections, for example, the rise of all these smartphones and devices that people can connect with and use videography to interface with each other across those mediums. And they set out to create a disruptive way in which healthcare can be delivered through these mobile devices using telephony and videography to save patients trip time to go to a physician's office, waiting in a waiting room full of people that may not be too well, and be able to get the same type and quality of care that they need, the prescriptions they need for those non-emergent types of complaints that people run into, whether it's a cold, maybe a minor cut, sprain, you name it, his physicians are able to interface with you via your mobile device or an internet-based portal and make a decision for you as to whether you need a particular prescription or maybe you need some more acute care and recommend that you go to a nearby urgent care or even hospital if their situation requires it. Coming up, Adrian talks about how they decided to move into developing a telehealth company. Check it out. Yeah, so I started my medical career with Phillips Healthcare and Baxter Healthcare and selling capital equipment and for many years with great companies great time to to be with them but uh, really, when you looked across the uh, medical landscape, capital equipment devices were really becoming commoditized. And so really wanted to look at where the future was for myself and uh, and really looking across the landscape. Obviously, enjoying healthcare and wanting to stay in the industry and seeing the change. Three years ago, you had Papaka. You've obviously got a shortage of physicians, got rising costs, and, and really looking to where we can make an impact and start a good company and, and decided to start my ideal doctor and became a telehealth company so i partnered with a couple of er physicians who really obviously see that day in and day out and a lot of the non-emergent care coming through their er's one of them likes to say whenever i get a uh, emergency in my er i'm happy because uh, yeah. a lot of times you don't have that and so really it was all about reducing cost improving access and we thought telehealth really looking on the larger landscape was a business opportunity for us and decided to start my ideal doctor. Today, we provide 24-7 on-demand access to physicians by phone or video for episodic care. So your sinus infection, urinary tract infection, cold and flu, typical non-emergent care that we want to really redirect that care from emergency rooms and urgent cares to more appropriate modes of medicine, such as telemedicine. And then you're going to see us as well as the market evolve into different clinical use cases, be it speech pathology, behavioral health, wellness, and, and really trying to just provide more access and reduce costs for members. Stick around. We got the full interview with Adrian Davis coming up next. 
Good morning, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Health Connect South Radio Show, episode 36. Joined in studio, as always, by Diana Keogh of Sherwick Media Group. Great to be here. We've also brought with us someone going to be talking about telehealth, a topic that's popping up a little bit more frequently here. We've encountered a couple of organizations working in the space here since we've been doing the show. We've got Adrian Davis, the CEO of My Ideal Doctor, with us in the studio. Thank you for having me. So we're real pleased to meet you. True Georgian. Yes. Born and raised <laughs> in Thomasville and uh, now living in Atlanta. Adrian, as far as the topic of telehealth goes, when I was looking through your information before we came on the air today, I saw that you'd spent a little time in the medical devices space and technology on the sales end of things look like. Talk about how you evolved into where you are now with My Ideal Doctor, and then we'll start talking about telehealth. Yeah, so I started my medical career with Phillips Healthcare and Baxter Healthcare and selling capital equipment, and for many years with great companies, great time to, to be with them. But uh, really, when you looked across the uh, medical landscape, capital equipment devices were really becoming commoditized. And so really wanted to look at where the future was for myself and uh, and really looking across the landscape. Obviously, enjoying healthcare and wanting to stay in the industry and seeing the change. Three years ago, you had Papaka. You've obviously got a shortage of physicians, you've got rising cost, and, and really looking to where we can make an impact and start a good company and, and decided to start My Ideal Doctor and became a telehealth company. So I partnered with a couple of ER physicians who really obviously see that day in and day out and a lot of the non-emergent care coming through their ERs. One of them likes to say whenever I get a uh, emergency in my ER, I'm happy because uh, yeah. a lot of times you don't have that. And so really it was all about reducing cost, improving access, and we thought telehealth really looking on the larger landscape was a business opportunity for us and decided to start My Ideal Doctor. It's interesting that you would actually equate becoming an entrepreneur with stability in your career. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, without a doubt because every day is a challenging day. Um, there's no question about it. I mean, as you grow uh, and you're not only growing your product, but you're growing your staff. Um, you're, you're trying to reach different areas of the market. Um, every day is challenging. And, and well, take us back a little bit further on, you know, what is, you know, you were, before we went on air, you actually said you went to UGA. Talk about, like, what did you study and, and why, why pharmaceuticals? I mean, there were a lot of choices coming out of UGA. Why there? Well, uh, start, well, born and raised in Thomasville, Georgia, and, uh, then went to UGA, majored in microbiology. And then after UGA came to Atlanta uh, for job opportunities and, and really wanted to use my science background um, and get into the medical world. Uh, and so first job in the medical world was Baxter Healthcare. Um, and uh, I was in the medication uh, delivery unit uh, with pain pumps and fusion pumps and so forth. And then moved over to uh, Phillips Healthcare. Uh, Phillips Healthcare does just about anything to do with imaging. So CTs, MRIs, ultrasound. And, uh, and was in the ultrasound unit. And then myself and a couple of folks got a distributorship, um, with about 35 states and, uh, for women's healthcare in ultrasound and, uh, and took that on and, and had a great time and a great career. But at the same time, realizing that, you know, that there was something more, um, and there's a lot of changes going on in the healthcare industry. 
and I just kind of wanted to be on that wave of change. And, uh, and so that's when we decided to start My Adult Doctor. And, uh, you know, My Adult Doctor today, we provide 24-7 on-demand access to physicians by phone or video for episodic care. So your sinus infection, urinary tract infection, cold and flu, typical non-emergent care that we want to really redirect that care from emergency rooms and urgent cares to more appropriate modes of medicine, such as telemedicine. And then you're going to see us, as well as the market evolve into different clinical use cases, be it speech pathology, behavioral health, wellness. And, and really trying to just provide more access and reduce costs for members. Were you like kind of doing a, a market examination as far as, I mean, there are many areas you could have gone into because the, the whole healthcare industry, especially in biotech, is just exploding and that was your background. This seems to be kind of a, a different trajectory for from that to that. So why telehealth? Telehealth, we thought uh, at the time and still think, just has a lot of promise. Um, it really does. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, would you rather have a uh, interactive audio or video visit with your primary care physician or with a physician uh, for non-emergent care? You do not have to spend hours on the road getting there, hours in the waiting room with other sick people, immediately have the care that you need within minutes, and have a prescription at your pharmacy in under an hour. So for us... Uh, it was really an area that we thought uh, society was going. Mm-hmm. We thought healthcare was going. You know, when you look across the different industries, um, you know, mobile banking is no longer called mobile banking. It's just called banking. Right. And that's the way we see telehealth. I mean, before too long, the, the word tele is not going to be in front of it. It's just the way we consume our healthcare. Uh, and, and so we really thought that was a, uh, you know, our, our business and, and the industry we're in. Um, is going to be a fast-growing industry, and it is. The tailwinds are behind it. Uh, the regulatory uh, environment is getting behind telehealth. Uh, the payers are getting behind telehealth. And so um, we wanted to kind of jump in and, and see where it, where it took us. So the um, what's interesting is that with ATMs, everybody said nobody would use them. And that was how long ago? And now I can't remember the last time I actually went into a bank. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, it, you do everything. You take a picture of your check. Say, yeah, you've been making a deposit with your phone now. Exactly. So. Making a deposit with your phone. And so that's really how we see healthcare going. Um, you know, you, we're not here to replace your primary care physician. Um, I don't think anyone is. Uh, but we're here to, uh, to provide that level of service where uh, if it's episodic care or it's behavioral health, then we can do an assessment and a consult. Uh, and, you know, if, if it's something we cannot handle, we make sure that we route you to the appropriate urgent care ER PCP um, and make sure that, you know, your PCP also has uh, your continuity of care records. Uh, so they have that information on those visits uh, the next time you go in. So walk me through it. I'm a new patient or, you know, how where's my point of entry and, and walk me through your platform? Yeah. So point of entries, uh, a couple different ways. Uh, employer groups. So your employer may offer our benefit into your into your benefits package. Uh, health plans may offer our benefit into uh, into their uh, plan design. Uh, and what you're seeing as well, health systems coming on board. Uh, so for us, how members connect to us, we really have three different ways to connect. Uh, so our the way we're broken up in our, in our company is our sales and technology groups based out of Atlanta. Our nurse call center and operations are based in Thomasville, Georgia. And so, uh, so members can either call our 1-800 number and speak with a nurse 
who triages you, puts you in the system, uh, make sure, again, it's something we can handle, and, uh, and if not, route you to the appropriate provider. And simply getting all your medical history, surgical history, family history, prescriptions, allergies, and so forth, uh, and then a physician's alerted. Or you can download our mobile app. Um, or simply log on to our personal health portal. And uh, so you can schedule a consult those three different ways. Once you schedule a consult, a physician's alerted. Our average uh, callback time is around 18 minutes. Uh, so by, t- by the time you press the button or hang up with the nurse, a uh, physician will uh, ping you back in around 18 minutes and have a consult with you. Uh, consults typically last anywhere from 8 to 12, 13 minutes. Uh, and then once that consult's done, that uh, physician e-prescribes straight from the platform as well. And so essentially within 30 minutes, your prescription is going to be ready at your local pharmacy for pickup. Uh, you know, we do not do any DEA controlled, no lifestyle drugs, no psychotics. Most everything we handle is informational consults. Uh, hey, doc, I've got this rash. What type of cream do I need to get? Or, hey, doc, I cut my finger. Here's a picture. Here it is on video. Do I need to go get stitches? Or, or low-dose antibiotics and antihistamines. Interesting. I bet your mom is so happy you set up a call center in your hometown. Yeah, so I can come down a yeah. little bit more. No <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about so it. So she can make you some red gravy. That's right. We've been talking with the CEO of My Ideal Doctor, Adrian Davis, is joining us in the studio. We're talking about their telehealth platform. And, Adrian, you mentioned the fact that you have, of course, the app that you can download. Then there's a portal online as well. Um, with regardless of how I enter the request to speak with a physician, whether it's through the portal or calling or uh, through the app, am I always going to interface with the nurse prior to the physician? Is that no? Helpful? Only uh, only if you call us. Okay. So if you download the app and uh, schedule a consult, or you go through your personal health portal, you simply do that on your own. Uh, our nurses on the back end are they're looking at the information that's coming in on their dashboard again just to make sure that it's something we can handle uh, but they're not touching you if it's if it's something we can handle if it's something they notice hey this is not appropriate for a telehealth visit they're going to reach out to you at that point and redirect you uh, but otherwise they will not uh, so very easy very seamless uh, today we are not really direct to consumer uh, so most of our business comes from employer groups and health plans. Uh, soon, uh, I'd say probably about a month or so, uh, we'll release our direct-to-consumer where any consumer can go on and for a uh, for a per-consult fee, have a consult with a physician. Is that like opening up a can of worms? No, not really. You know, it's, it's like in any business. I mean, at the end of the day, direct-to-consumer is tough for any business. Um, so we made the decision when we started that uh, we wanted to focus on employer groups, mainly because we're a young company. We wanted to focus, and that's where we started. So right now, today, in a little under three years, we've got 460 employer groups on our platform. Uh, but at the end of the day, once you grow, obviously, you want to open up different verticals for your sales channels. And so uh, so health plans have been one, and direct consumer or is going to be another one you know direct to consumer the roi you've got to spend a lot to kind of start realizing that um and so that's why we've kind of waited um for that market and uh you know when you look at us as well as other telehealth companies you know the the business model is is always evolving uh it really is and and you're going to see telehealth at your local pharmacy at your local grocery store um, you're going to see kiosk popping up. You're going to see where, you know, you can do more uh, chronic management uh, because of those kiosks. And so um, as the industry grows, you're going to see telehealth being really prevalent uh, in the way you consume healthcare. 
It's interesting that most doctors and nurses go into medicine because they want contact and helping others. And this is actually making them like your nurses in your call center. There's no actually human contact with with patients. And a lot of patients, especially on an older population, you know, their doctor's appointments is what they look forward to on a on a monthly basis, if not a, you know, weekly basis. So, you know, how does how does the telehealth account for that human interaction on both the doctor's side and on a patient's side? Well, is I think it, it's, And is it something you guys are concerned about? Uh, not really. Our doctors love it. Our nurses love it. Um, you know, and, and the consumer is really changing the industry. I mean, it's consumer driven. Um, you know, and I think consumers change a lot of industries. I mean, look at Uber. It's, you know, and, and look at mobile banking or just banking. And so, uh, the consumer mindset, you know, the way the, the landscape has changed dramatically over the last couple of years. Um, you used to have a copay. And, uh, and so with that being said, a lot of consumers just thought, Hey, an ER visit cost me 45 bucks, but really it cost that company a thousand dollars. And, uh, and now when you see more high, high deductible health plans on the market where it's first dollar out. And so Diana has a deductible of $2,500 and nothing happens until you pay out, uh, your $2,500. And so consumers are really making that choice now of, Hey, where do I consume my health care? Where do I want to get it? Um, I've got to look after my dollar that I earn. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of where you see it. You know, physicians enjoy it. Um, it's very personable and, uh, and, and they do like it. They actually feel like they can take the time, uh, with a, with a patient. I mean, really at the end of the day, um, you know, when, if you go to your PCP, do you really get 10 or 15 minutes with that PCP? You know, they're, they're kind of in and out, um, because they have a lot of patients they must see. And so, uh, and so how long are the calls typically anywhere at eight to 13 minutes? So it, it and just so depends that's on the really call. No, I actually, and then I, see somebody across the screen so it's really no different it's really no different not at all and uh and consumers love it because hey they have another outlet to see a pcp uh you know a mom with kids and 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 doesn't you know has three kids and doesn't want to pack them all up into a and go to a uh to a waiting room where there's other sick folks uh they simply can give us a call or, or do a video chat and uh and speak with a physician and within 30 minutes have their prescription so uh our physicians really enjoy it um, you know, physicians have been bombarded lately with uh, lower reimbursements. Yeah. Uh, it's more admin for them. And uh, and so for them, it's a way, you know, they don't have a lot of fixed cost at all. Um, they're performing consults, and uh, and that's what they enjoy doing. They're literally focusing on practice of medicine uh, versus having all the business side to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's where you really see them, uh, you know, liking the product and wanting it to be a part of it. Uh, and they're engaged and they see that, hey, you know, for primary care, this is this is probably how you're going to get some of your health care uh, in the future. And this is the way it's going to go. Yeah, I'm still kind of stuck on how you diagnose a UTI over um, <laughs> <laughs> over a video screen. Yeah. And we and we you know, listen, we don't take care of everything, uh, even for UTIs. I mean, we leave it up to the physicians to practice medicine. So if they don't feel comfortable uh, they make sure that, you know, we route you at the end of the day. Like I said, a lot of it's informational consults as well. Um, and we just want to make sure that, uh, that the service we provide is, 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 you know, what the physician wants to do. So Adrian, with, with your physicians in the practice, are you saying from what I heard you talk about earlier, as you were interfacing with employee health and things like that, doing some mental health along with that? 
And so is your practice, I guess, multi-specialty? You've got some mental health type physicians, some primary care. Do you do some urgent care physicians? How, what's your group composition? So on the behavioral health side, we will release that in about a month. So uh, we're coming out with a whole new UI on the platform and the mobile apps. And so we'll release behavioral health. We'll release wellness as well, where you can connect uh, about 150 medical devices to our platform. So whether it's a glucometer uh, blood pressure cuff, Fitbit, so forth. We have that capability so our physicians can see those biometrics uh, whenever you call in. Uh, and then really on the episodic side of the of the physician base, uh, we mainly have four different type of physicians, internal medicine, pediatrics, emergency medicine, and, uh, and family practice. And so uh, I'd say the majority, though, of those four are mainly emergency medicine and family practice. So with your group, are they, are the physicians that are working with you, are they full-time with you as a practice? Or are they physicians that are kind of addition, in addition to their day job, if you will? Yeah, they're moonlighting. Yeah, they're, they're contracted. So with us, they're contracted. And it works a lot of different ways. You know, when you look at, just say, emergency medicine physicians, uh, most of those physicians work for physician management companies. Um, so they're three-on, three-off, seven-on, seven-off. Uh, so they have a lot of time in between uh, to work with us. And uh, and so then other physicians, you know, some uh, primary care physicians look at it going, hey, I've got, you know, one member in uh, my waiting room and I've got two in my doctor's virtual waiting room. So it depends on the physician. Uh, but uh, but, you know, that's really how how it goes. I mean, even on some of the family practice, if, you know, they're internal medicine and they're hospitalists, same thing, three on three off, seven on seven off. So a lot of extra time to uh, to use and uh, to work with us. And with the relationship that the the patients have, I guess it sounds like it's really going to remain more episodic. It's not necessarily that this doctor, at least in this kind of earlier phase of telehealth, is going to be my doctor per se. No, not at all. Just and, when I and need we, yeah, we're not here to replace your primary care physician. Yeah. I think you're going to see it, though, where more primary care physicians uh, start utilizing telehealth for their current member base. Um, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, more chronic diseases being managed through telehealth. Um, like I said earlier with kiosk and so forth, where we've got a blood pressure cuff, we've got weight scales, we're getting that information beforehand. Uh, and so really it's, there's going to be, you know, transition from, uh, you know, what we do today to health systems offering it for their communities. Um, being able to, you know, for them, they look at it as, hey, instead of building a bricks and mortar in a neighborhood, why don't I bring that neighborhood to me through virtual care? Um, and then if it's something, again, that, you know, we can't handle, I can route them to one of my providers to make sure they get in and we have that continuity of care. So you're going to see a transition within telehealth, um, you know, really coming to more communities uh, than, uh, than kind of a national over, overview as we have it today. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of the, you know, communities, special rural communities, you're also dealing with a population that doesn't necessarily have smartphones. You know, there's a Hispanic population that really is heavy on the use, but when you get into a certain population in the rural, the smartphones aren't there. So how do you hit that kind of community? Disagree. Um, we're about to bring on a large Medicaid plan, and uh, 70% of their members have smartphones. Smartphones are more prevalent than I think most people think. And so, uh, you know, matter of fact, when we when we were 
discussing it early on with them. Um, we didn't even really go through our personal health portal. Um, it was mainly the mobile app because we knew that's how they're going to access us. And so, uh, so, you know, really the, the smartphone is a key to what we do, um, and how we perform and, uh, and go through our business. So, uh, I really think that the, you know, it's, Definitely prevalent, obviously, in the Hispanic community mm-hmm. and, uh, and just as prevalent in, uh, in other parts of the community as well. And the 30% that do not have them, are there, what plans do you have to give actually? Give us a call. So we have a 1-800 number and they can, uh, just give us a call like everyone else does. And, uh, and to be quite honest with you, I mean, that's very easy for us, um, very easy for the consumer. Uh, most of our consumers today call us. And, uh, and so, uh, that's, that's probably the route they would take. Interesting. And so you mentioned, um, your competition Mm -hmm. and we've had, you know, a couple of them here in the studio with us. So what, what makes you different? What's your differentiator? Uh, I think customer service is one. Uh, we're the only company that does a four hour and a 72 hour follow up care call. Uh, so the four hours, Hey, how'd it go? How's the consult? Were you able to pick up a prescription? You know, your, uh, your receipt, uh, if you need a work note or your visit summary is on your personal health portal. Um, you know, uh, give us a call if you need anything other. Uh, and then the 72 hour call is mainly a safety check. Hey, how are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Great. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, if not, let's get you in somewhere else. And so for us, it's all about that continuity of care. Uh, following up with a member. Members love that. How many times do they get a call back, especially two of them, uh, from their physician? And so it really makes a difference, especially to, uh, to our groups that, uh, that we have. I mean, honestly, that's probably one of the number one things we hear back, uh, is the follow up care call. And then I think being nimble, um, for us, we're smaller. We're not as rigid as, uh, maybe some of our competitors. Uh, so we're able to work with customers and, uh, and design programs that really work versus, uh, uh, you know, having a standard format. So as far as the, you know, you're three years old, what have been your biggest challenges in doing this? Uh, I would say our biggest challenge is the growth. Um, making like managing sure we, it? Managing the growth. Yes. Managing the growth. Um, staying on top of our product and uh and making sure we're innovating um along with everyone else you know like any small company you've, you've got to stay ahead of head of the curve in that arena uh definitely managing our growth as well um whether it's human capital uh hiring different developers hiring more sales folks uh hiring more operations folks and uh and and learning something new every day you know um getting that first employer group was fantastic but uh, then when you get into larger enterprise customers, they have different requirements. Uh, so it's making sure that, uh, that we follow through on those requirements and, uh, and we grow and, you know, personally and, and as a business, we grow every day and you do learn something new, you know, for a lot of us, this is, uh, the first time in telehealth. Um, you know, for most everyone, it's the first time in telehealth, the market's always changing, uh, so to make sure that, uh, that we stay on top of that and, 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 and go where we need to go to make an impact. And it's a long way from having a good idea to actually having a sustainable business. So you, you know, you don't have an MBA. What have you done to kind of help yourself and bring a team along? To- yeah, I think, uh, one big plus for us, we've got some good investors. Um, our investors have nice size companies. Uh, almost everyone, actually every one of them does. And so, uh, and they've all started 
their own companies. They're all founders of their own companies. Um, they've uh, grown them over the last 15 years. Um, almost all of them, I think, are at really probably about the 15 year mark. So they've, uh, you know, made a lot of mistakes growing and they can pass that knowledge down to me. Um, they're very helpful and, uh, you know, we don't have the every three month board meeting. Um, we've touched base every month and, uh, and then now, you know, uh, really every week and, uh, and really trying to say, Hey guys, I've got an issue here. What do I need to do? Um, this is, uh, this is the way the numbers are trending. Where do we need to go from here? Uh, so I think that helps. Um, really f- four of them are, uh, exceptional at what they do and, and leaning on those guys to, to figure it out. And, um, and then you just learn as you go. You really do. Uh, you try to do as much research as possible, but, uh, sometimes that's not enough. So what's one of the biggest mistakes you've made since you started? I think, uh, what's one of the biggest mistakes we made? You know, I'm not, uh, I think maybe not putting enough into ourselves as we should from the get go. What do you mean by um, that? Well, you're growing. I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to look at a, a company, but for us, we, we've got different folks. I mean, you got operations folks, you got a nurse call center, you got a physician network, um, you've got technologists, uh, you got sales folks. And so, uh, as you grow, you're always looking at your human capital and where do I need it next? And, um, you know, every, every department saying, Hey, I need somebody else. Right. And it's uh, all cost. Yeah. Too. And it's all cost. And so you're trying to, uh, manage, um, slide things around. You're trying to slide things around. You really are. And so, uh, so for us, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's getting heavy on sales and, uh, and following through there. But that's probably the biggest is where do I slide a, a piece of the puzzle? Um, because everyone needs help. Uh, and, and our guys work their tails off and gals. I mean, they do. I mean, we work, 16 hour days all the time and uh you know there's not a lot of complaints because it's fun um and everyone's learning you know there's always something new like i said i mean you know as you grow you get a larger customer they've got different requirements there's always something new so it's fun uh but i think it's uh you know managing and and sliding that piece of puzzle uh, in the correct slot. That's a good answer. We're talking with the CEO of My Ideal Doctor, Adrian Davis. We're talking about their telehealth platform and, and how things are going for them. Adrian, you talked about you know, when you bring on that larger employee group, they have different requirements. What sorts of things would you say that an organization that comes with that large enterprise, what are they asking you to do different than maybe a smaller company is? Uh, being able to do real-time eligibility on their members, uh, being able to send the claims back, to their uh, ASO or TPA, um, you know, accreditation and uh, credentialing. But uh, but I'd, I'd say that, you know, for us starting out, it was uh, mainly self-pay employers and uh, it was a little bit easier on the requirements and, and therefore we, you know, you, you don't have a lot to build out on the back end. Um, but as you move up, uh, there's a lot to do, claim submittal, eligibility, uh, reporting, um, utilization reports and so forth. And, uh, and then just being able to communicate to those members. Cause at the end of the day, you want to drive utilization. So making sure we're front and center with those members to know they have the benefit, uh, and they use the benefit. How are you handling that side of things when it comes to paying for a visit? It, you know, it sounds like there is a little bit of discussion about insurance plan, different things like that. How does that flow? 
Uh, it really depends. I mean, if it's a self-pay employer and they're self-funded, they're paying their own claims. Um, we know beforehand when we sign the contract how much that does it, uh, if, if anything at all, is going to cost that employee. So our system knows. So uh, when CW calls in, our system knows CW owes 10 bucks or CW owes 38 bucks or CW doesn't know anything at all. Uh, we take the payment at time of service, and then obviously we just uh, – Just a credit card payment. Yeah, yeah, and then just we remit the bill. Um to the employer later for a health system same thing we, we've got a contract set up depending on the different plans we know how much the uh, payment should be uh, whatever's left on the balance we remit back to the uh, health plan at the end of the month what about geography and where are you available uh, we are available all across the u.s so uh, so the only two states we're not available in are arkansas and louisiana now how long did it take you to expand that out because some of the other companies that we talked to Are were starting here starting here um so what was that growth until like really here? recently i mean it's taken three years yeah. uh there's no question about it i mean we started um you know in the southeast and uh, then as we grew our physician network uh, in our customer base, uh, we started expanding. So honestly, it, it's taken three years, um, to, to get to that point, uh, of growth. And, uh, and so it's, uh, you know, you always start small and, um, and, and then grow from there. And so what do you have against Arkansas and Louisiana? <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, medical board regulations. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, we've got to follow medical board regulations and, uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, are just in that uh, that area of regulatory environment that's uh, not necessarily suitable for uh, telehealth currently. You know, changes are, are being made. Um, Arkansas just uh, had another uh, medical board meeting, and um, it, it looks like it's it's going our way. Uh, and then uh, and then Louisiana, we're just waiting to hear for more uh, approval. So coming through the portal or even through a mobile app, there's a lot of um, data that's collected. Um, what are you all doing with that data and, and actually what is co being collected? So uh, we are obviously storing it, HIPAA compliant servers and, uh, and the way we host. Uh, so really your medical history, surgical history, family history, uh, prescriptions and allergies uh, are being stored. We're not taking in social security numbers, but, uh, but we're taking in a lot of different information. Obviously replicating that, uh, that, uh, uh, consumer information and, and making sure it's, uh, fully compliant, fully secure. Um, so, uh, we're a hundred percent compliant and, uh, and that's something that we focus on tremendously, um, especially our CTO, Sean Middleton. Uh, for us, that's obviously very, very important. Um, you know, we, uh, make sure we've got different servers keeping different items. So, uh, so if there is a breach, you're, you're not getting everything. You're just getting bits and pieces, uh, and really focusing on that every day. But I would imagine that, is, um, some of the data that you're collecting family history, um, how many times, you know, someone's coming back for, you know, X amount of antibiotics, you could actually use that data to actually start setting up best practices. I mean, is any of that being done? Yeah, and that's what we're doing. Um, that's exactly what we're doing. So, you know, whether it's, hey, this this family's obviously got prevalence of diabetes uh, within them or high cholesterol, and really looking at that, because at the end of the day, it turns into big data. Uh, and being able to use that data in a sensible way, um, obviously de-identified, uh, but using it in ways where we can either help that, em that employer group or help that health plan um, concentrate on different items uh, and just hitting back uh, that member with different uh, 
different, you know, pieces of information on diabetes or on high, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, and really that's where you're seeing it getting used. Um, you know, we're starting behavioral health here soon and, and, uh, and we really have a lot of analytics because our behavioral health pieces is, is really nice. We're, we're the first telehealth company to have it. And so you go in and take an assessment. It's a computerized assessment. It's random. So depending on how you answer question two, uh, question three will be different. Um, all that information is, is, is put into reports for those, uh, providers to go to before they even have the consult with a member. But at the same time, all that information is gathered on the back end and we, we can, you know, if you're looking at a health plan in a certain state, we can identify hot spots within that uh, health plan um, that they may need to target more uh, in different areas and, and really look at it in different ways. But uh, but you're exactly right. I think as you see the industry evolve and and you've got more data, um, you're able to you know utilize that data in better means. Interesting. And so you mentioned the fact that you were able to collect an interface with wearable devices, Adrian, I mean, is that aiming at that place where you start to do more of that chronic disease management? Where, where are you trying to go with that when we're talking mainly right now, episodic care? Yeah, exactly. And, and what you see, I mean, obviously when you look at the wearable marketplace, um, it's great that consumers have the Fitbits and they have the scales or they have a, you know, glucometer that's Bluetooth or whatever it may be. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the prices on wearables and, um, and wireless, uh, medical devices just hasn't been at that price point where you can actually have programs and, uh, and scale those programs, whether it's for a health plan or a large employer group or even a health system. Uh, but what you're seeing now is, is a lot of different devices coming onto the marketplace, uh, and those prices are going down. Uh, and so for us, we actually partnered with a company called Validic, um, out of Durham, North Carolina. And, uh, and essentially they aggregate all that data. Uh, for us, they connect to 150 devices. We get that, uh, pipe of information coming over to us. And so, uh, so whether it's a Fitbit scale or whether it's a $30 glucometer you can buy at Walgreens and use a doggle, uh, to send that information over to us through your phone, uh, we have that information. So yeah, now you're, you're really seeing the prices come down. We can have programs that we can scale and, uh, and really looking to more or less manage chronic disease. Um, you know, you take a health plan, uh, a health plan doesn't want to, nor are they capable of buying an expensive $150 glucometer, but they're already buying those, you know, $25, $30 glucometers at Walgreens or at Walmart for their membership base. Well, they have doggles now, um, and we can gather that information. So, uh, one, our physicians know what's going on um, from a uh, chronic disease standpoint whenever they're, whenever they're having the consult. And then, obviously, going back to Diana's question earlier is being able to use that data um, and proactively make sure that we stay in front of that member uh, with use cases and so forth. You mentioned the, the, that you would be able to push some sort of information to a patient when you saw that they had maybe some trending around their diabetes or their weight, whatever the case may be. Where does, where does that come from? Are you creating content like that or? We're, we're starting to create some and then we're just pulling from others. Um, you know, American Diabetes Association and so forth. Um, and, uh, and really leaning on others as well. Uh, but as we grow, we'll start to, uh, to create more of that content for our members. What's interesting is that a lot of the, um, chronic disease sufferers or patients, um, have a lot of comorbidities and also have some 
um, extenuating circumstances in their personal lives and in their home lives that actually lead to noncompliance. And when you're actually doing a telehealth conference or even a, a doctor's appointment through telehealth, a lot of that is missed. I mean, one of the reasons that a doctor's visit is at a detriment to a patient being so short is there's a lot of non-questions being asked that should be asked. Um, and, you know, the study that just came out that showed actually you can tell who's going to be readmitted based on their social life or lack of social life or the, the level of isolation that they feel. Um, how is that being accounted for to actually help the patients that you're actually serving to not be coming back and not be a constant drain on even your telehealth system? Yeah, and again, for us, it's mainly been episodic care. So, again, as I think the market uh, evolves, um, we're going to evolve with it and have more of that chronic management. Uh, but it depends on the, the setting. I mean, it honestly does. Uh, it depends on uh, what information we are able to gather from that member. Uh, but you're exactly right. I mean, it really it goes to a lot of behavioral health. Um, you know, there's a lot of different markers within a behavioral health member um, that uh, that's out there. And that's a huge cost and a huge drain uh, on health plans because they're not going to go see their PCP because of any anxiety or depression or whatever it may be. They don't want to sit in a waiting room um, with their current behavioral health provider. So really, it's a way to touch that member um, and having a, a, a in-depth conversation and um and 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 really wanting to find out what we can do and where we can get them in um versus just letting them not do anything Flounder. at all yeah. yeah and that's that's the you know the biggest compliment i think telehealth provides is uh they're going to just you know not do anything and and by not doing anything it hurts everyone it, it obviously obviously hurts them um but uh it, it raises the cost in the system so i think that's you know an area you're going to see evolve um again you know as as wearables and devices come down on price uh more are going to be able to afford them um, as behavioral health becomes more prevalent in telehealth. Um, you, you know, I, I think you're going to really be able to uh, to really have an ecosystem um, evolving around telehealth. Again, there's a lot of things that are not appropriate for telehealth. Um, but if there's a opportunity to, you know, see Diana with a physician um, or a provider and uh, where she otherwise would not have come in, I think that's a plus for everybody. Yeah. Now, is that through mainly the, the on the behavioral health side of things? Are we talking like the employee assistance sort of relationships that where most of those patients are flowing from? Or? Yeah, so it's it's going to be a couple different areas. So, um, you know, we're going to have uh, clinical social workers and uh, we're going to have psychologists. And so they're going to be providing uh, the consults and uh, the assessments for our members, whether it's from an employer group uh, or a health plan. Uh, in different scenarios, uh, and it will be kind of a contract to contract basis, uh, we'll also, uh, provide psych, uh, psychiatrists, um, or else let that health system or let that health plan provide their own psychiatrists and just use our platform for the medium to, uh, to reach those members. So, uh, so in that scenario, it will be on kind of a case by case specific, um, and, and really, you know, using our platform as the medium, uh, versus, uh, our core business will be, uh, clinical workers, licensed clinical social workers and psychologists for the, uh, kind of the EAP type programs. You know, it's interesting is that I, um, 
recently have a new employee and handed them their first check because I hadn't had them basically put into the system. And he literally did not know what to do with it. He he didn't know what to do with the check. Um, And as I'm listening, we're all, all around the same age here. And as I'm listening, do you realize that your children probably will not know, first of all, who Marcus Welby was? And second of all, what a doctor visit, like going to the doctor, it will not even be a concept in their mind. Oh, no, without a doubt. And uh, it's funny. We just hired a new developer, and he's just he's straight out of Georgia Tech. And so <clears throat> we took him to lunch the other day, and, you know, we started messing with him going, hey, what, what, what's, your, what's your first phone? You know, and because, uh, you know, we we're laughing. I go, I was like, I didn't get my first phone till I was like 28. I was like 22. Yeah. yeah. And um, and uh, and he was like uh, the razor. And he got it when he was like 10. Yeah. Um, and so for him, he's always had email. You know, email didn't come out for us until uh, 90, I was at Georgia. 96 yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah well, when I really had an email address. Yeah, it was, you know, 96. And As so, opposed to what you're embarrassed that your email address was, yeah, used to be. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's going to be, uh, you know, our world in the future. I mean, you look at every, all the different technologies. I mean, look at, you know, what Apple wants to do with cars and Google wants to do with self-driving cars. And, um, and so it's already different in the respect that, uh, my kids and a lot of other kids that I know their age and, uh, are always wanting to hold the iPad or the iPhone, you know, that's where they consume, um, instead of a book like we used to, uh, you know, it's funny. When's the last time you've seen an encyclopedia lying around? Like it has been yeah. decades in my office. <laughs> Don't show your age. Yeah. <laughs> just to blow dust had, off of we it. We had friends over the weekend and I had, um, I, um, have a lot of first editions that I inherited from my dad after he passed away. And they're like, wow, who, who's the book collector? I mean, <laughs> I had Funk and Wagnalls in there. <laughs> so, uh, so you're right. Um, it's going to change dramatically and it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's good. Um, I think, uh, we unfortunately do live busy lives today. Um, and I obviously think that has a lot to do with our connectivity to the world. Um, but, uh, but that connectivity brings a lot of promise. Um, you know, we're sitting around here in a, a nice building with air condition and, uh, there's millions of people around the world that, uh, don't have that. They don't have, you know, we've got 10 water bottles sitting right here. Uh, a lot of folks do not have running water. Um, they don't have air condition. Uh, but I think with, uh, with connectivity and technology, um, you know, we're going to be able to zoom in a physician to them before too long, uh, and, and be able to have a consult and, uh, and really take care of them. So the world's changing. I think it's changing, uh, for the better. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of great promise out there. Yeah. Which even, you know, the fact that we are sitting here with all this water and, you know, it does make it a little bit silly that, um, you know, we're talking about actually one more point of non-contact for something that historically has been a point of contact. And again, in doing, working with so many of the platforms, um, there, the, the problem is how do you keep the personal in the portal, you know? Uh, and I think you will. I mean, for us, especially with our new, uh, UI coming out, um, you're going to have your favorites and, uh, you're going to be able to choose your physician. So if I'm a female and I see Diana there, um, and I want to speak to a female, I can pick Diana to speak to, or same thing goes with CW as a male or whatever it may be. I can Nobody see wants your- to talk to somebody. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and I can see your bio, um, you know, languages you speak, everything. Uh, and so it becomes more, more personal on that front. 
And, uh, and then again, you can have your favorite. So you can keep going back to Diana or keep going back to CW. Um, and you know, you're not, again, no one's here to take that away. Um, we really want the, uh, the physician base to, um, really join in on telehealth and, and offer it for their members. So you can see your physician or you can see one of those nurses in your, uh, practice. Um, and, uh, and if not something that, uh, they offered or, Hey, it kicks back to our network, but boom, you know, we send the information back to your practice. That nurse can follow your nurse can follow up in the morning with you and make sure everything's okay. So I think you're going to see, you know, the, the personal touch is still going to be there just in a different medium, um, than you're used to. One of the things as we've talked about that health connect South is all about is partnerships, collaborations, breaking down silos, things like that. And I, you know, you and I chatted about this briefly yesterday. Uh, for my ideal doctor, what do you sit around the boardroom talking about as far as resources, partnerships, collaborations that you're, you're looking for to, you know, take this to the next level for you? Yeah, for us, uh, partnerships are big. You know, for, I think for any small company, partnerships are, are huge. It's, it's a way to, uh, to, leverage different aspects of maybe another company um help leverage sales and what um, kind of partners are you looking for uh we're looking for healthcare partners technology partners um that offer uh you know a way that you know they may already have a uh a business segment and uh putting us or, or adding our value is value add to them and and that's another another uh, pool of members that we can go after. Um, and so that's a lot of partnerships we look at, uh, technology partnerships. You know, we don't, we don't come up and think of everything in the world. Um, we, we utilize APIs on our platform with different technology partners and, uh, and try to create that ecosystem, um, for members. And then obviously, you know, um, when you're, when, when you're looking at different partnerships, I'll give you a good example is Commonwealth Alliance. So Commonwealth, is essentially a uh, uh, an alliance with uh, a lot of the big EHR companies. So your Cerners, your Greenways, and your McKessons of the world. Um, you know, interoperability has been a big problem in the healthcare world, uh, especially for s- small companies, for startups. Because you know, if you want to talk to this health systems EHR, you've got to you know get that health system pretty much to mandate to that EHR company to do so. And and now what you're looking at with Commonwealth is is uh, you know, instead of having a, uh, a value add, it's going to be native in the mm-hmm. system. So, you know, whether uh, a member is at a hospital that uses Cerner or they're at a hospital that uses McKesson, we can pull that information. So um, now, you know, it's, it's not scattered around. Um, I can see Diana's information from wherever she may have visited um, as long as you're on that alliance. And I think right now it covers about 70% of the uh, – of the EHR installation base. And what, the 30, other 30% is Epic? Uh, yes. And so, uh, and I, I think, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of progress on that front. I mean, I, I really do. And, and so the good thing about it, though, is, is everyone's coming together. Um, it's not a value add anymore. It, it's standard operating procedure. Um, and it's great for everyone uh, because now you can instantly get medical records that you couldn't get before. Uh, and so I think at the, towards the end of the year, um, you're going to see a, a lot. They're going to start turning on their systems. So that's really what's happening now. The connectivity's uh, happening, and, and they're going to start turning on their systems. We're a member of Commonwealth, um, and I think that's going to you know help us grow. Um, and, again, just make sure that we have that continuity of care with members. 
So what sort of final thoughts that we haven't covered for you yet do we need to get into to make sure that we've shared information that's useful for folks that are checking you out? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's been good. Um, I sincerely appreciate you having me on the on the uh, air, and I appreciate Diana as well. But, uh, you know, give us a call. Check out our website. Um, we're here, and, again, we're going to have our direct-to-consumer offering uh, uh, coming out in about a month. And so uh, so you'll be able to just have a consult with one of our physicians by uh, interactive audio or secure video and um, for a, a flat fee, um, especially since cold and flu season's coming down the road, uh, we typically see an uptake in utilization uh, this time of the year, really starting right now until uh, about April of next year because then you kind of hit allergy season as well. Uh, go on uh, info at my ideal doctor, and this doctor spelled out doctor.com. So info at my ideal doctor. Uh, send us a note. Um, if you're an employer group, love to uh, offer the benefit for your employees. Uh, uh, for the you know new year starting January one, and um, if you're a health system out there, give us a call. Love to talk to you how we can uh, you know really drive that uh, brand awareness and community engagement within your community base. And same goes for a health system. Well, I do in the few minutes that we have. Quick question: um, It would seem like going after the consumer market, like just the B two C market, would almost just be breeding one hassle after another and uh you know to be in the environment and employer groups and and health systems is a little bit more protected and they're doing the vetting of a lot of these patients um and you also have a backup it's kind of the cya what was the thinking behind going after the, the you know directly to, to consumers because it doesn't seem like it would actually be the best market to go into unless i mean disagree with me you know, really, it's a uh, when you look at self-funded groups, those groups are typically 250 employees or more. Um, so there's a lot of groups that uh, that do not offer the benefit um, in the small business arena. Uh, there's a lot of self-employed members um, of our society, which are great. Um, I'm pretty much self-employed as well. But and, it, the self-employed still have to be covered by ins- some type of insurance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they would because they don't want to wait two hours in a waiting room. They don't want to spend, you know, the average time it takes to go to see your PCP uh, and leave is four hours. And so if we can cut that down to 30 minutes, everybody's busy today. Um, you know, people want to do that. And so uh, so believe it or not, the direct-to-consumer um, arena, people like, even though they may have insurance, uh, they're more than willing to spend $45 on a uh, on a consult because uh, it's quick, um, it's convenient, uh, they get great care, and uh, and at the end of the day, that's what consumers want, and that's why telehealth is really driving the marketplace right now because it is consumer-driven. So that's going to in- involve, I would assume, some measure of broadcast media marketing to be able to get the word out to the masses. Uh, it will. It will. So, again, that's why for us we uh, we focused on employer groups right. and health get the plans. Revenue flowing to yeah, support get that. the revenue flowing to support that. Except in Louisiana and Arkansas. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Yeah, don't and, broadcast uh, there. <laughs> and so, yeah, so for us it's, it's uh, you know, there's a – you know, not only are, is it going to be accepted on direct-to-consumer, but obviously from a business standpoint, we've got to look at that front as well. So physician, physician group size-wise, you can scale to that, I guess, based on your model fairly readily? We can. We can. So, um, so for us, you know, our physicians have multiple state licenses, which helps. 
um, in that arena. And so, uh, so yes, it's for us, it's always scaling. Um, you know, you're, you're recruiting, uh, as fast as you're making sales because it's a balance and mm-hmm. you got to keep up with that balance. And so, uh, for us, it's, it's, I mean, you're always, you know, recruiting more physicians and, and wanting more physicians to come onto the platform. What's the work, what's the work experience like for the physician? How many patients are they interfacing with in their time it, with you? Yeah, it depends. I mean, uh, they can typically have anywhere from three to five patients, say, uh, an hour. So, uh, just depends on the physician's availability and, um, and, and what kind of workflow they have. You know, our volume, our peak volume is 7A to 10P. Um, it is very quiet at night for us, but, uh, but that's typically our peak volume is 7A to 10P. Um, but no, physicians, um, you know, it, it depends on how often they work. Uh, some physicians in the uh, marketplace are, are full-time telehealth. That's all they do. I was just going to ask if, it, if, if you saw this becoming an opportunity for someone to practice their medical practice this way entirely no doubt yeah i mean a a good number of our physicians and our competitor physicians are are full-time telehealth Uh, it's what they like doing uh the customer is is phenomenal on the other end and um and uh you know again it goes back to they don't have the uh the headache of admin of running their own shop and uh and they can focus on the practice of medicine (laughs) so i'm just imagining are you guys too young to remember the jetsons no. Remember the telephone that she used to have, like the face that she put on? So imagine these guys are sitting in their underwear and then just, you know, put, put their <laughs> yeah, doctor mask on. Sitting there with a shirt yeah. on. <laughs> I hope not. Doing the Tom Cruise thing. I hope not. I don't even want that visual. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Sorry. Leave you with that image. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sir. Uh, serious journalist here. <laughs> and as Adrian was talking about, if you want more information about the, the, the company, myidealdoctor.com, you can go there. Um, eventually, it sounds like you'll be able to actually sign up and actually become a customer there. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, if you're not yet familiar with the folks at Sherwick Media Group, your company has a story to tell, or maybe you, like uh, what Adrian was talking about, you have opportunities that you want to try to share some useful health information with your employees or with the customers who visit your website. You want to get over to Sherwick Media Group and check out their services. They produce uh, information um, across all media types, including high-quality video f- to tell your story. So make sure you get over and check out those folks. We certainly appreciate uh, Sherwick Media Group making our show possible. And to the folks at Health Connect South, we really appreciate them. If you're not familiar with Health Connect South, go to their website at healthconnectsouth.com. For us, if you've not done so already, get over to Twitter. We're at HealthCon Radio and link up with us there. The the Previous episodes are there. The folks from Sherwick are always sharing some awesome information on that feed as well. And if you're checking out the podcast, go to the upper left-hand corner of the show page. You'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store, and you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. It'll be downloaded to your device and be waiting for you as each one comes out. That way, on that arduous way to work and traffic here in Atlanta, you can uh, check out the show or while you're walking the dog, whatever the case may be for you. We're also now, uh, the, the Midtown Business Radio Show is now going up on to iHeartRadio, so I'm going to start trying to pull us uh, along with that as well. So we're really excited about that. To everybody here in the studio, Adrian, I really appreciate you taking some time to sit in with us this morning. Thank you so much, CW, and uh, thank you, Diana, as well. You are so welcome. And, uh, it's a gl- pleasure. Glad to have you here as well, Diana. And to everybody who made us a part of their day-to-day checking out the show, we really appreciate you. Your, impor- your time is important to us, so uh, we really want to say thanks a lot for checking us out, and we'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 
This show is brought to you by Sherwick Media. Sherwick is the health and wellness solution, content that inspires change. Learn more at www.sherwick.com. That's sharewick.com. And link up with us on Facebook and Twitter.